Ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons, welcome back to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined as always by Scott of Vector Sigma. And Scott, we finally have Wave 2 in our hands. We've finally gotten to handle and in some cases snap in half some of the cards. Uh, have you yes. Have you been very excited about getting Wave 2? Has it lived up to all the hype so far? I wish my boxes lived up to all the hype, but yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, we did do a box break video. It was a little more, uh, I guess, unorthodox. Now, we didn't crack Scott's box at that time, so it sounds like we we had multiple duds in that group, but some of the other ones turned out okay, it sounds like. No, the case we opened on video I thought was really good. I just thought the uh, mm. my boxes after the fact were not as good. I guess okay. this is a... The one thing I'll say as some advice for people is... I will say, if you have the opportunity to buy full sealed cases, I would recommend doing so. It seems like the it's, it seems like the distribution is much more um, fair. I guess I'll say, uh-huh. uh, if if you if you if you get a sealed case, I will say it seems because I had I bought six loose boxes, okay. and I had one sent to me uh, from Watsi, and so. Um, uh, they weren't as, I guess, coherent as the um, as the cases we opened were. It seemed makes sense. Yeah, the uh, like anything else, there is a, a print run to it behind the scenes, as random as they may try and get it. So yeah, you could end up with some really bizarre things if you have a hodgepodge of boxes. I guess at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I think the place I got them from kind of just pulled them off a shelf instead of like you know cracking open a case and sending me four boxes out of a case. So. Um, that feels like it would be more effort in the end. I don't know. I, I guess it uh, depends on what their workflow is. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think it has to do with the way that they ship because the way the box, if you know, like if you notice how the boxes came, they actually, the case actually came different than other cases I've bought of other card games that I noticed because it's only four, it's four like large, I guess the boxes are almost square instead of rectangle, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm used to, yeah. like, a Magic-type booster box. It's more like a rectangle. These feel more cubish to me, I guess, for lack of a better term. Makes I know, sense. I know it's te- it's technically a cube. I, I, I get it. But, uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's more like a rectangular cube in a uh, in a Magic-type box than it is in, in this. And because there's only four boxes in a case, it, it just it feels different. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I definitely follow what you mean. Uh, if... Anybody else out there has opened boxes of other games or anything. It definitely seems a little physically different. Um, but I guess, pack complaining aside, uh, <laughs> it, uh, so far I'm, I'm enjoying Wave 2. Uh, we're going to get into it with our day one impressions towards the end of the show. Um, because we do have some other exciting news in between now and then that we're going to cover. So real quick, there, the first one off the bat, there was a FAQ released officially not long after the last rules update uh we actually had some listener questions come in to us about some of those things so shout out to the listeners that were hitting us up on twitter and other medium or other mediums so there was a minor discrepancy or it appears to be i'm sure it's just an error with whether steamroll counts as attack damage or not i'm sure by the time this goes live because rules updates are on fridays we'll find out tomorrow because that's how it always is. Um, yeah. Aside from that, the the app also got the Wave 2 update, so it seems like it launched with a few bugs. 
initially. Uh, there were some reports even overnight because, you know, other parts of the world got it first. The deck builder was running into some issues, but it's really cool that now there are filters on the battle cards. You can actually add them into decks. There's added functionality, obviously, for the combiners. Have you gotten a chance to fool around with it at all, Scott? I mean, I use it for the same reasons I used it for before, which is basically to, like, try to make decks on the mm. side, not actually use the deck builder itself. I'm not sure. I wouldn't have noticed that it was flawed because I don't use it for that, but I'm sure it, yeah. if it works well, I'm sure it's good. I like. I, I heard you can't, like, save decks or something like that effectively. I don't know what the deal yeah, is. Yeah, right now, the, the literally create new deck button is either missing or broken. Um, <laughs> so I, I had tried deleting all of the stuff that I had in there just because I was messing around with it. Um, the main thing I saw that flaw-wise, aside from that, because I think in the end, it'll probably be pretty cumbersome for a lot of people to use it for specifically that purpose. It's good for it to be there, but there were still a couple minor issues with things being tagged the wrong way. So things were tagged as part of combiner teams that clearly weren't, like Grapple's not a Dinobot. Um, by the time this goes live, this may we're, I may sound like an idiot, not that I don't normally, but it may not. the bug may not even be there, so we'll have to see. But overall, it's a pretty cool update. Could you make a deck list and take a screenshot of it, just not have it like saved somewhere? Or you can't even. Well, that's what I give you like a full list. That was actually what I was trying to do. So I wanted to because you can add battle cards to it, and it'll give you statistics on the battle deck makeup, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it's only minor things, you know, the breakdown on the color pips, the actions versus upgrades, and there was something else that's escaping me right now. But I wanted to see if you could, like you said, take a screenshot of it, and then at least I could, you know, text that to somebody or, or post it to a group. But since I couldn't actually open up what the deck looked like after I added cards because of the bugs, I, I can't tell you either way. Oh, okay. okay. Unfortunately, at this stage. Uh, oh, Imperial Ace and Chad, I think you can save teams, but not much use for deck building. Yeah, and until they fix all the issues with it, I don't think we'll really have a good sense of it, which... Again, we'll pro I'll probably sound like an idiot by the time this goes live because they'll fix it by then. But uh, anyway, so that's the app update. One of the so other I think that's good. I think oh, that's God. good though because I think that kills two birds in one stone. If because I didn't think they meant. I don't think they were originally the plan was to put a deck builder in. So if they're going to have that in addition to mm. the filter system. And again, I still need a filter system by Starcost, which I know is not in there. Mm -hmm. um, like to me you really kill two birds with one stone and the people have been looking for. Oh yeah. The, the one filter that I wish was in there that is not, is you can't at least as of right now, again, maybe it'll change with whatever corrections they're making. There's an attack and defense filter for battle cards, but not a weapon armor utility one. Okay. So, you know, if you do defense, you'll get say blast shield, but you won't get reinforced plating. Oh, okay. Which is, I mean, I get it. You know, maybe you will just want for thing looking for things that will give you plus one or plus X defense. So it'll pop up, say, aerial recon. But again, it won't pop up body armor. So oh, okay. you have to dance around it a little bit. But again, all things that I'm sure will work themselves out over time. Mm -hmm. So the one of the first big news items was from this past Monday, and that was WTF at TFW, who also gave and had a lot of nice words to say about us as well as a number of other content creators uh, in their reveal for the Megatron versus Bumblebee starter. Including and, the podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, so it's funny because I, I think I've mentioned this to you offline, Scott, but I've listened to their podcast for, well, they just had their 10th anniversary recently. 
and I've probably been listening to them for maybe nine and a half, almost ten years myself. So wow. it, it's kind of funny to hear them talking about something that I'm working on on their show, and like it, it was a little bit of a surreal moment for me. So it was pretty cool. Um, not to sound all starstruck or anything, but I guess shout out to uh, WTF and TFW. Thank you for the uh, the kind words there. Um, they did to circle it back to. One of the major news items, so we're obviously going to be getting the Megatron versus Bumblebee starter. This was rumored for a while at this stage. Not a whole lot of information as to what the actual contents are. We did get a a rough target date, um, but there was one specific card revealed, and it was the Windblade that we saw the artwork for way back when Wave 2 was released. Yeah. And, I was, no, before before Wave Two was even yes, remember. yes, the absolute first announcement that Wave Two was even happening. I guess you could say yes. This was way back around PAX, if I recall correctly, was yeah when yeah, it officially PAX was yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So, uh, I I do remember this artwork, and it was weird when we got the reveal of the actual Wave Two Windblade because obviously it's a different set of art, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that said, "Well, wait a minute, that's not the same thing." What happened? So I guess this is what happened. <laughs> it ended up going to right. this Windblade. So let me hand it to you, Scott. Did, did anything stand out from you from their reveal, aside from the card, or any thoughts on the card, or, or both? Uh, I think what stands out for me, the reveal, is that there's another starter deck coming mm. um, that I assume is somehow tied to Rise of the Combiners. Like, and I don't know whether that's going to be some kind of standard thing. Like. The fact that they've completely said it's a starter deck, and you see obviously the power level of this Windblade being like a starter type character, not right. very exciting. Um, I guess just leads me to believe that, like, I, I just wonder whether or not there's going to be a starter every single set, and like whether or not that's needed. Like, I, I don't really know how that's going to work, or like, like I don't know why now. Like, does it matter? Do we right. care? I, I, I believe. I, I think. And and you may know better than me, so correct me if I'm wrong. Like, uh, is season two of Cyberverse dropping the same time because Windblade's really big in Cyberverse, Bumblebee's really big in Cyberverse? It might. Uh, the that sort of scheduling, I'm not too sure on. So the I could see them tying a starter of some kind to every major set. So it would essentially be three parts. It would be a starter, a set, and then. I guess the follow-up supplemental, so previously Metroplex, now Devastator. Uh, the I kind of I, I agree with you that, that maybe what's supposed to happen. I think right. that's what's definitely supposed to happen. And if that's the case, it's you've made good use of Starter Optimus before, but off the top of my head, there wasn't anything else in the Wave One Starter that really made a humongous splash. Correct? I, I'm struggling to think of something. Uh, the Bumblebee sees scattered use because the six drop slot is just so bad. Fair. I think he's like one of the better ones that I can see. Oh, it says right. now Cyberverse is now confirmed for a quarter four of this year, so it's not going to coordinate with a. Okay, so that year. there goes that <laughs> that yeah. hypothesis. Um, Later this year, it says it's all it says. Right. It, I'm not sure. I I guess I understand where you're saying where it's potentially overkill. I th- I think it's fine. It provides a good starting point. Because uh, obviously by that point, and it, it may be the toy influence that it's, okay, well, retailers want to get rid of that old product. They want to put a new shiny thing on the shelf. So, okay, here's the new starter to go with the updated Wave 2 stuff. So you want to jump in, here, have your starter, here, have your Devastator set, pick up a couple packs, have fun. Um, 
whether that's absolutely needed, I guess, is up for debate, but clearly the team feels that it's appropriate. Right. Now, as far as the actual... I, oh, go ahead. I guess it just it just surprised me that it was real, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. It does seem... And like you said, if it's supposed to be tied to Rise of the Combiners, I mean, obviously, Windblade features prominently in the Combiner-related stories, and not knowing the remainder of the cards... Who knows, maybe there's other combiner-related tools, but it does feel a little out of place, but by the same token, I guess Metroplex was out of left field also for Wave 1, so there isn't really a a precedent for it to any extent. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's more about... um, I think they did say that there was going to be, like, one, you know, type of, whatever you want to, like, supplemental set, like, the Constructicons or the Metroplex each set, but I didn't think there was just, I just didn't think there was going to be a starter every time. Right. Yeah. So I guess to focus on the actual card itself, other than being a five drop plane. So now you really can go five wide planes since right now, Superion, you have Alpha Bravo, who's a helicopter and there's no helicopter support. Anything else about the actual card excites you? A, a two, eight, one with Pierce two. It's, I, it's worse than every arrow about it, I think, right? Probably. <laughs> I'm I'm struggling. Like I don't have all their stats memorized. Um, I want to say yes because Alpha Bravo is. It, so he has another effect in his alt mode, but I think he has the same exact stats, but he's not a plane. So I guess he has Pierce three. I think he's even better. Oh well, yeah, he has Pierce Static, three. Right, but he only has two attacks, so you do need to put the extra effort in, but I I get where you're going with it. He doesn't have to flip it to do it. He just has it naturally, though. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, for a while, had wanted a five-drop plane, uh, so then you could hypothetically do super rare Windblade, eight drops, so Thundercracker, Slipstream, something like that, and then continue using a plane. I don't know if that's actually worthwhile. Like, you'd almost rather have Flame War in that slot or any of the other five drops that are the perennial ones. Well, I guess it's really just Flame War, but... <laughs> I think you can do it with some of the Aerobots now, even. But uh, oh, yeah. I, don't think that, I don't think that this is going to take the place of those. The only way that this will ever see play, in my opinion, is if there's a unique Windblade weapon mm-hmm. that you wanted two targets for. It's the only way I can see it seeing any play. That makes sense. Yeah, I just... I mean, it's a starter card. What do you expect? It is what it is. It, presumably, if they follow the same pattern, we'll have three more. Well, I guess since it's Megatron versus Bumblebee, the other one will be Bumblebee. One of them will be Megatron, and then the fourth player has yet to be named, which I wonder if this will be the home for one of the two sound waves that Drew had mentioned in previous interviews. Uh, if it has anything to do with Cyberverse, it'll be Slipstream. Fair. I guess it, it, that's going to be the open question, since uh, <laughs> maybe it was originally intended to time with it, and then it just turned out that it wouldn't work out. Uh, I, I would we'll put money. I would put money that it's a it's it's not the slipstream like San Diego Comic Con card, but it'll be a slipstream. I bet you that would logically make sense. So get a five star slipstream, and then Megatron and Bumblebee at whatever. Right, I would imagine adding up to twenty five altogether, probably. probably. So 
Yeah, not, that sounds completely reasonable. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure we'll get more reveals as time goes on. So we will, on this show, per- perpetually be doing reveals because we have even more. <laughs> right. Um, so moving on, any other thoughts before we move on from starter? Nope. Okay. So the next one, next topic up are the Devastator battle cards. So let me pull those up for everybody. Uh, so there were four of them, one of which, Scott, you got to reveal with uh, Dan, one of our other Vector Sigma team members. And, well, let me ask you this before, we're not going to skip over yours because I know you did do a video (laughs) or are we? Yeah. No, I mean, we can just, it's it's all, you can have 13 minutes just on that card if you want. Oh yeah. (laughs) So, well, the first one we'll go in, in, uh, the sequence that I have them up here, which was just not the sequence they were revealed. I don't believe it was just the number sequence. Uh, so first, first one up was builders tools, which is a constructicon centric card. Orange pip, utility, when the upgraded character attacks, put a height counter on your tower, which notably, we did get the actual tower itself, or got a look at the tower itself, which has some pretty cool artwork. Um, Yeah, I agree. But the important part of it is that you do start with a counter on the tower. Well, Scrapper says that on the card. Right. Uh, Which... The reason I'm bringing that up and reinforcing it is you had mentioned it offline. I, I don't know if they need this thing. What, the builder's tools? Yeah. I mean, basically what you're doing is you're... I mean, a, a good point that I heard brought up is that you can add counters to it. You can combine quicker and then still get to 10 if you've already combined. If you keep this utility on him, on Devastator through the com- combination, or you add it to him right. later. Um, so like you could, you could combine it like nine and then attack and then get to 10 immediately. So you could technically combine a turn earlier. You won't heal as much. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you're so combining that, earlier, I, I guess hypothetically you wouldn't need as much of a heal. Possibly. Right. Right. So it's a way to get around that, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is, which I thought was interesting, but I think the other thing is, I mean, obviously if you have a, if you have a, if you're overflowing with riches and have a giant hand like you can play this and then also continue to pitch the card and so you get two counters for for an attack and then likely one counter when the the moron constructicon just dies next turn <laughs> yeah um but so like if, if you uh, if, if you if you have a decent enough hand size you you would want to do that otherwise like to me if you're not racing to get higher number of counters and you think you can realistically get combination quicker as a result of playing this, I mean, this could just, if you play with just a normal hand size, like this is, could just be the card you pitch. If you can't afford to pitch the card and play this in the same turn, what are you really getting out of the deal? Like you exactly, can't do yeah. both. Like what's the point? Right. Yeah. I don't, it feels as though it's a nice to have, uh, and air quotes, the real Devastator build would will not utilize it, but I'm not sure yet. I haven't put that that much thought into it. It sounded as though you had that. Ultimately, math wise, it does. It, like you said, you can just do the same thing effectively. As long as you have enough extra cards in your hand to pitch mm-hmm. for the long run, which and again, because you have more attackers than them, like there's going to be a, a point where you have to pitch multiple cards in a turn mm-hmm. without refilling your hand. Um, if you can get away with that, 
then getting the extra counter through this is worth it. If you're ultimately not going to be doing that, this card might as well just be a card you throw away from your hand because I highly doubt you're going to be able to use it twice. Obviously, if you can use it twice, that argument's out the window. I just don't know how often that's going to happen because obviously this character will become a lightning rod. Even if you put on them on before the, the wheel turn, like the last turn where you get to attack on multiple guys so the coast is clear and they, they'll probably just choose that guy to attack because the construction gods have no brave character. So right. I'm, I, I just, I just, I, I'm going to find it highly difficult for this card to be activated twice, unless you specifically build your deck to like have ready for action and things like that. I just don't see how that's going to be possible. And if that's the case, I just don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. I, I think I can agree with that assessment. I'm not sure it's going to be necessary. I'm, I'm open to be proven wrong or, you know, open to changing my mind, but at this stage, that kind of sums it up. So rather than dragging it out, the next one is Heavy Landing, which was, uh, that probably sounds very familiar to anybody who's checked out Victor Sigma's stuff before, because it, you even said it yourself, it's very fitting that you ended up with a burn spell. Yeah, the one thing I was wrong about was I forgot that Inferno Breath, need, you need to tap a five-star or greater, so it really only works with Scrapper. I would still play the card um, mm -hmm. in the deck, but it won't be as good. Right. Um, which which just means that the other direct damage is even better in the deck. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this card's really good because I don't I, I don't know how you you can activate this by the fourth attack for sure. Yeah, it, so it's hard to turn down lightning bolts with a pip, or <laughs> for non magic people, three damage with a pip. Yeah. So uh, if well, if you haven't already, you I won't want to drag this one out. You can definitely check out uh, the reveal that Scott had already done for this card over on VectorSigma.info. It, it's up on the YouTube page. So uh, our next one, so the Builder's Tools was from Wreck and Rule. Heavy Landing was uh, Vector Sigma. Reclaim was Wasi Plays. So you put an upgrade from your scrap pile on top of your deck. This may be a spoiler for some of the other stuff we're going to discuss a little bit later. I guess Starscream, Super Rare Starscream. Any other uses that you anticipate this is going to be uh, showing up commonly for? Well, Constructicons, you you draw the card also, so it's basically yes. it's a it's a. Uh, I don't want to magic term. You don't want. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, and you don't want to say. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Reclaim is also a magic card that does this exact thing. Just yeah, so you know, for for one green, I put a card back on top of your uh, <laughs> your deck. Um, it's it, it it's like the Megatron Optimus uh, Skywarp Sky Starscream effects like get things back from your scrap pile, which is or as we call them rare. in the magic terms regrowths. Yes, <laughs> it it is a pretty rare effect, so I think it's notable. Uh, the unfortunate thing for me is that it because it goes on top of your deck, it you're probably going to want to go find an orange one since you're not going to be drawing it immediately outside of Constructicons. Do you foresee that any Optimus Battlefield Legend builds would want this to try and put something on for the opponent's turn? What are the pips? It's blue. Just single blue. It feels like it's... Um, I'm, just, I'm reaching here, but it is something where, you know, you could attack, activate, reclaim, put something on top for defense on the next turn. It, like I said, it's a stretch, but... What does it say about 
how do you draw the card again? Uh, if your tower is three or higher, so you're never going to get it outside of... Okay, so I can't just play a four-drop Constructicon and... Right. And, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I take that back. Like, it's not never going to happen outside of it. I know. But effectively, never. <laughs> it's a lot of hoops to drop, jump through to, to get a regrowth. Yeah, exactly. That's um, why I was thinking the only scenario would be, okay, oddball, I put it on top to defend, but that doesn't seem good enough. I mean, your Skywarps, your star, your new stars, your new Skywarps, your new star screams, mm. your Optimuses, as you mentioned, and your Windblades. I can see a use for it. I just don't think it'll make the forty card deck because there's just more effective ways of doing it. Right. Um. It it becomes like a weird silver bullet magnet, I guess, because like if you have most of your deck flipped over into the scrap pile, like. Mm-hmm. It's obviously your scrap pile obviously fills a lot faster than your hand, mm-hmm. so like it becomes a weird silver bullet for decks like that. I could see. Uh, right. I just don't know if it'll make the forty. I, I don't even know. Like I guess Constructicons would run this. I don't see why not. I mean, like if it's if you're getting the full effect without like any drawback, I, I guess they would play it. Like it's it seems like a powerful card that they have access to. Mm. Well, it, because they're pretty much always just go get the thing, whatever the thing happens to be, and their whole shtick is throwing things away ahead of time. I guess it's a, a sort of tutor. You know, you can kind of look at it that way because, like you said, you're going to fill up your scrap pile so quickly that you should have a plethora of options. And then I mean, the could... key is this, this gives you four enigmas. Right. If, by playing one. That's the key. Mm. So, like, for Constructicons, this is... I think you would definitely play three of because one of the weaknesses of Enigmas now is they can be discarded out of your hand if they sit in your hand too long. This will get around that. Well, the Enigma so, is... Correct me if I'm wrong. Or is, it only, is it only upgrade? Is it only upgrade? It's only upgrades. Yeah, I was going oh, back to double bad. check to make sure there wasn't anything... Like, I missed something oh, about it. My bad. That's all right. Oh, if it's only, if, my bad. If it's only upgrades, it's not as good then. Yeah. Now, the... I still think it's valuable in that deck because... Again, it's a very unique effect. You might as well try it out. It's not going to be hard to get the secondary condition so that you draw it immediately. But uh, outside of it, like you said, I think it's going to be weird. The Windblade interaction is potentially decent. I was The first thing that came to mind is, oh, well, I'll go get Bashing Shield and put it on top. And it's like, well, why didn't I just get Bashing Shield back to begin with? Right. Um, <laughs> but there might be. I mean, if you play more than one, there's one in play or something like that. I right. mean, I can see the use. I can see the use for it, but I don't. I don't. I, I still think it's probably. It's just a little too much seems, effort. It still seems to be a card you would definitely play in Constructicons because it's a unique ability, like that you usually have to get pay thirteen stars for on a <laughs> right, card. Right. So, like, I can see where it, it's good there, but I don't. I guess it, I don't think it'll see much play outside. Although, like, it does. A, like I said. It could allow you to play some silver bullets in some of those other, like, I don't know, not for Starscream, but, like, for Optimus and for Windblade and for, not even really Skywarp. So, I guess for Windblade and Optimus, I can see, like, you can play some silver bullets mm-hmm. and get them get them off their abilities. I can see that. Right. But it probably won't make the slot, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see, because obviously, I mean, now we have all the contents for Devastator, but... It's going to be a little bit of time before we can figure that one out. Um, yeah. So the last one from TCG rollout was work overtime, and this one is pretty exciting for a number of reasons. 
I'll let I'll hand this one to you first, Scott, because I I have a, a list of things and I don't want to overlap too much. Uh, the first thing is is why you buy more than Devastator said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I almost can't imagine a deck that doesn't want three of these. Other than if your deck is completely flooded with too much white. That's the only reason I can see not to play three of these in every single deck. Right. Um, I guess there are some decks that like are flooded with cards um, that don't usually have an issue running out of cards. I just I don't know what that situation is. Um, right. Well, Scott, you've said before that card draw is not worth it in this game. Elaborate on why this one's different. Because it draws you four cards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was comparing it to Treasure Hunt, which also digs four cards deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like... Remember when I said pep talk was overrated and bad? Like, this is at worst a pep talk, in my opinion, when you play it. Yeah, it's not so, going to be hard to engineer a scenario where you're drawing three or four cards. It That should not break a sweat for virtually any deck. Right. And there's plenty that I'm playing right now that we'll probably talk about in a few minutes that would love this card right this second. Say, uh, Dreadwing. <laughs> Just put that yep. one out there. I mean, I mean, I wrote this on Facebook, but probably no one saw it. But, like, uh, backup plan might as well not exist anymore, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, unless you actively are looking for the discard your hand part, which I, I'm struggling to think of a reason why. <laughs> There's not a reason now that green exists, in my opinion. There might have been before, but there's mm-hmm. not a reason now. Right. Um, so, like, this this flat-out replaces backup plan. Um, uh, I can't even see... I, I don't even know where you would slot other current card draw over this. Um, uh, so... Compare what are the other options? So pep talk, like you said, this is maybe not strictly better. Maybe there's a scenario where pep talk is better. I guess blue pip, but I would value this significantly higher than pep talk. Inspiring leadership, I guess, for the purpose of setting up hunker down turns, kind of thing. Um, like you said, treasure hunt. uh, Treasure hunt. I can maybe see the argument because. Um, it always goes four deep, whereas this, you have to have no hand to do that, but I still think that might be a flimsy argument. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, obviously you can try to hunt when you have five cards in hand or something like that. And it doesn't hurt. Like if you have, if you're completely action glutted, like you can right. still try to hunt. Right, right. Um, and obviously like the sunstorms and bombshells of the world are going to want treasure on over this um i well bombshell may want a couple copies of this anyway because at some point you're gonna have no cards in hand and you need to get up there somehow yeah that's fair uh but they probably play both i would think right yeah it's probably not either or there um incoming transmission isn't really a good comparison i feel like that's apples and oranges yeah it has different uses um i can't think of any other card draw off the top of my head uh, the special is when you tap a guy. This is obviously better than that. Mm-hmm. The, the oh, new yeah. one that costs a star to draw three cards. Yeah. Obviously better than that. Um, uh, data pad and, uh, security console don't really compare because the, again, they're really different things. They do draw cards, yeah. but it's not anywhere near the same sort of function. 
Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you that if you're looking for card draw, I especially in what we're going to get to in a few minutes about uh, the mean green machine, you, I don't know, this thing is going to draw a lot of cards for a lot of people, and I expect to see a lot of it everywhere. Yeah, I agree. So, I guess we can kind of <laughs> sum it up with that, because this card is pretty strong, and I don't see any reason why you're not going to see it. Oh, I... I didn't leave the uh, the tower up here. I know we had a uh, couple people in chat ask <laughs> Jenga style mini game for Devastators. Sorry, I missed that one earlier. No, that's not quite it. So this is the tower. It is pretty cool artwork. A couple people are asking why Mixmaster's shooting at the tower, but I think that's just a perspective thing. Um, <laughs> it is pretty cool the the mock up for this. There's not really a, mm-hmm. nothing gameplay wise to say about it, but. Uh, so that does it for the Devastator stuff. So the main topic is our day one impressions. And as I mentioned before, it's the mean green machine or as Scott had sent me offline, kind of green Hulk smash. I guess we can start there. So what were your initial impressions or how did your initial thoughts going in compared to what you found with green pips as a whole, Scott? I thought they would just kind of smooth out the deck. Mm-hmm. And and like give you more options, but I didn't realize they're going to be. Uh, I I didn't think you would flip as even when you're not playing like twenty of them or something insane like that. Like I did, I just didn't think they'd be as good as they are. Right. Um. Like when you're attacking with bold, like I hadn't thought about that. And when you're defending with tough, I hadn't thought about that. Like they're they're like. It just it increases the power level of those typical abilities that you find on cards um, in an additional way to want to play those cards. Like you want to have, it just makes bold more powerful. It makes tough more powerful because it, it turns them into. I don't want to say card draw. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's card sifting. It's right. Not card draw. Yes. Um, it's it's it it increases your ability to find the cards you need and. So, the and and it's 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 all like a related topic, but like, um, it, some of them are silver bullets, some of them are typical cards. So it's like it, it just depends on like what what situation you're looking for. Well, it's I think. Oh, go ahead. I didn't want to break your train of thought. <laughs> no, I, I I think I think we played with on day one like enough of them to kind of see the difference. And I think we probably didn't even scratch the surface on some of the silver bullet ones yet. Yeah. The silver bullets is where I was going to start with, because one of them is, I think going to be pretty ubiquitous if people haven't recognized it already. One thing I wanted to add though, before we did to, it was something that is kind of self-evident as soon as you hear it. But again, similar to what you were saying a moment ago, Scott, that it was, Okay, I thought about it, but I didn't realize how much of an impact it would have is just being able to ditch, maybe not useless cards, but you know, everybody's had those hands where it's, oh, I'm staring at all of my Peace Through Tyrannies, I'm staring at all of my uh, improvised shields or handheld blasters or whatever, and I would just love to be able to trade that for anything. Being able to do that, get them recycling, especially with builds that so I've been trying aggressive builds with some of the five wide combiners. You probably don't want to piece through tyranny your combiner, 
So most of, if you're not flipping it, that card's dead. But you can trade it for an Enigma or a Bashing Shield or an Espionage or a Blaster or whatever. And it gets those things out of your hand for a useful card. And it, it, it happens all the time. So I guess it, to bring it back to the Silver Bullets, speaking of Bashing Shield, so that's the one that... I think everybody knew was going to be played, but it feels like it's going to have even greater of an impact than I had initially thought. Are you feeling the same way, Scott, that it's going to be everywhere and all over the place? Well, yeah, but back to your first point. Oh, God, sorry. Made, I think people are overstating what you said about the useless cards. Like, I think that's, that's an easy way of looking at it. I think mm-hmm. in the hands of a good player understanding the deck and understanding the matchup, it becomes even more powerful to ditch currently less powerful cards at this right moment in your hand for more powerful cards in the moment. I've yes. seen people I've seen people play with them and not make the substitutions in their hands that wind up hurting them later. Oh, so people um, are bypassing Green Pips saying, oh, well, this card in my hand is at least playable. I'm not going to go get that thing is what you're saying yeah yeah or like i don't need that card now and then three turns later they needed it well you had the opportunity to get it and you didn't get it so that's on you yeah because because you wanted to keep this other card in your hand that wound up not being played or not being as impactful i feel i'm and i i'm prone to this in general by the way i play the way i build decks that i feel i'm almost overusing the green fetching ability myself where it's Oh, I see a bashing shield. I'm getting it. I mean, unless I'm playing against like Insecticons or something that I know is not going to have armor. Uh, I I have a tendency to immediately reach for it. And maybe that's handicapping me in some of my testing as well already. But I think I may be going. <laughs> that's in the opposite direction of the problem you're describing. It's very skill intensive. And I yes. think that like people are underestimating that in terms of like, oh, I have this handheld blaster. I don't need this in my hand. Yeah, no kidding. But like, if you have an Energon Axe that you can't play unless your guy gets attacked and your opponent makes a better attack, like, do you want to pitch this Energon Axe in your hand in order to get a card that you know is going to be playable that is clearly not as powerful? Right. Because it's playable and has a and, and has an, you know, more immediate effect. Right. So I think that's where... It'll it, allow it better players to separate themselves. I, I, think, I think from a gameplay mechanic, it's the most powerful ability that's in the set. From a deck building perspective, I think most people were starting to understand how to build their decks a- accordingly with them. Mm-hmm. So I think to start out with, it's, it's it's one of the most important deck building mechanics. But once they're in your deck, it's the most skill intensive play skill mechanic that exists in the set, in my opinion. Makes sense. I can agree. And with probably that. in the probably in the game period, I guess. Then at that point, compared to Wave One, yes, uh, I would probably rate it personally more skill intensive than say determining appropriate combination timing because uh, that is something that has come up and we'll we'll get to it when we talk about combiners in more depth that it's you i had assumed going in that combiners okay you're going to want to get to your combined state right away but there's clearly scenarios where it's no i'm actually handicapping myself by going all in on this one character instead of yep. staying wide, depending on what you're yep. facing, what the board state is, etc. So, but we'll we'll talk about that when we get to combiner. So, green pip silver bullets. I know you'd said that there's there's a number that either may still be diamonds in the rough or 
are just going to take more time to understand. But the obvious one for me is Bashing Shield and how it impacts the general armor meta, for lack of a better term. So prior to this, we would see Big Dude, you attach an armor to said Big Dude, and they are virtually invulnerable until your opponent somehow finds a Drill Arms or some similar effect. Bashing Shield, if it doesn't completely invalidate that strategy, certainly hampers it a lot because you will find that, air quotes, Drill Arms in Bashing Shield. Like you're, They're going to see it. It's going to be obvious, and as you were saying, Scott, if your opponent knows how the matchup plays out, they're probably going to be digging for it in one way, shape, or form. So how do you see this this shaping up? Is is this as big of a deal as I think it is, or is this just a flash in the pan and we'll, you know, we'll eventually see Bashing Shields phase out? Oh no, this is good. I mean, well, the only you heard it here, folks. Be- That's it. Show's <laughs> over. We'll see you next week. No. <laughs> I mean, the only, the only way it would face, like, you have the rock, paper, scissors where it completely invalidates armor being played, and then there's no, like, you have three cards, you have two or three cards in your deck that are dead because your opponent has no armor because there's no point in playing them, other than to destroy other bashing shields. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess the there way, is that. <laughs> that's the only way I can see that, like, it become, quote, like, irrelevant. Even then, I could uh, see it still being a one-of because of the green pip that, okay, well, maybe I don't hit it early and that's a problem, but at least I can go find it through the first turn cycle and then play it at an effective time at that stage. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's orange is right on color with where aggressive decks want it to be, obviously. And of I don't think it's enough of a deterrent for control decks to run it either. I agree. Um, I found a lot. Oh God. You can get in a situation where you're playing too many oranges, which I discovered um, on Saturday, but like, I I think this is one of the ones that would have to stay because of the, just its power level and the ability to draw it so easily. Well, my natural tendency is to build everything literally a hundred percent blue pips. And then I'm actively going and looking for oranges so I'm perfectly happy to make this part of my, you know, 9 to 12 orange count. Because, like you said, beyond that, especially if you're using either a number of other white pips or if you had soul green pips, things that aren't impacting your combat math in the way you want them to, you can run into an area where, okay, yeah, I'm just soaking too much damage and there's <laughs> something's got to give. Yeah. So aside from Bashing Shield, which... Again, not to beat a dead horse, but I, I have a hard time imagining how this thing is not going to start showing up everywhere. Any other silver bullets that jumped out at you immediately? Um, I guess the ones that so silver bullet wise. Well, uh... well, maybe not specifically silver bullets. Let's open it up a little bit. So, any other green pips that you wanted to touch on? Um, all the weapons impress me. Yeah, it's funny uh... how a. <laughs> uh, a primary laser, if you can guarantee you have a primary laser, it feels so much better. Yeah. I agree. Um, the pierce is irrelevant on it. It's just the fact that you always have a weapon. Exactly. And I know, like, obviously, plus two is not as good as plus three, but um, it's just the fact that you're always going to get it. Right. Um, I guess the... I guess 
the question is like if you're playing a mixed team, how many of these do you still play? Like, does it matter? Like, do you do you have to, how many targets do you have to have? Like, if you're if you're running like two Autobots and one Decepticon, like, do you just run Nobles Blaster? Or do you run one of each? Like, obviously, it depends on like how important your characters are in each faction. Obviously, but right. Um, and of course, what they're actually doing naturally. So, for example, you know, Flame War is probably not hitting for all that much, but maybe you don't care because she's there for the the tough factor anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, the plus two compared to the usual plus three just isn't as big. I mean, I wasn't trying to jam primary laser in my decks in wave one, but the fact that I can have a primary laser on demand rises raises its stock tremendously. Right. So to your earlier point that if you can identify the situations where it would be beneficial, being able to set that up in advance or at least hit it reliably has influenced both the way you're building decks and potentially the way you're playing it out? Yes. So, um, what, oh, God. No, no, no. I mean, the the other one, I guess, that's kind of odd is um, Backup Beam, I guess. Like, I, use it in a, I used it in a video that you will have seen if you're watching our YouTube channel, like, in a cars deck. Um, and I still think, I think that card might be fine as a one-of, um, I obviously like I, I've done the math before on power sword versus flamethrower and things like that. But like, again, this is on demand. And I, I actually think this card should probably see more play than it does in certain decks. Really? Um, Where are you thinking? Cause this one, I have some ideas myself. I've mentioned when we reviewed it, that it's something I'm considering in Metroplex because, okay, well I have a flamethrower I can go find, but uh, where are you picturing that it should be showing up that it isn't already? Uh, both Sentinels and Aerial Bots. Sentinels, I think, uh, Stefan, so shout out to Stefan, who also has a uh, a pretty lively YouTube channel, uh, was on and testing with us this past Saturday. So he was playing Sentinels, and I believe he was running it. Uh, yeah, I think at least a one. Right. Uh, and then what was the, the other one you'd said, aside from Sentinels? In Aerial Bots. Interesting, and just for the sake of getting the extra silver bolt flips, or just yes. the bolt in general, just for getting silver bolt flipped earlier, so you can become superior on earlier. Yeah, I've found again as a spoiler for talking about combiners, but I don't like rapid conversion, but I feel they all do want to combine one turn faster than whatever their natural combination turn is just to ensure that there, there's smaller amounts of damage, that you're getting to the particular end state that you're looking for. Um, everything seems to go much smoother if you get that one turn ahead. Yeah, agreed. So one of the other ones that we've been kind of dancing around that I guess isn't a silver bullet, but it is, I expect to show up, or I'm expecting to show up a lot, and that's espionage. So that is another card that I'm sure you're going to tell us is very skill-intensive because it's identifying what's going to beat me in the next turn or couple of turns, and I or I need to make sure that they don't have this for whatever scenario. Is it something that performed better or worse than you expected going in? Uh, better. So were you expecting it to, to like be garbage, or is it just... 
it, it, you thought it was okay, and then it turned out great. I I thought it was going to be good in certain decks, like to to allow you to play some kind of like aggro control type strategy. Mm-hmm. I think I still haven't used it enough, but what I have noticed is like this is the only way that the armor decks can continue to even exist, in my opinion. Right. Is by playing their own versions of getting rid of the bashing shield. Well, it also seems to... I'm finding that I'm including it in virtually everything. Now, part of that is I just want to try it out, but also that there are definitely certain cards that I would like to preemptively remove. You know, say, certain weapons or things along those lines where... Okay, my opponent is trying to set up something behind the scenes. They're protecting a guy. They're going to load them up. This will allow me to strip things away before they hit the board and try and disrupt plans or the obvious Starscream issues where issue being Decepticon Crown, it's very difficult to to get at it, period, because they're just looping it, those sort of things. Uh, It also happens to be a white pip and obviously green fitting the theme that we're discussing, so it's... It's there when you need it and also fills that, you know, if you you don't have a specific white pip, like, say, work over time that you really want to have, it can fill that role. I think it just allows you to, I guess, I, my, my issue with it going in that, like, you won't have it in your hand all the time. Like, you, you'll have to wait a turn to use it. Obviously, if you flip it on attack, like, yeah, flipping on defense, I always knew it was going to be powerful because, like, you'll get to use it right away. Um, so your opponent, it, it's similar, like, bashing shield affects the way your opponent plays their turn. Why would they bother? Like, if they, if you attack and flip a bashing shield and get it back in your hand, why would you play armor on your turn? Like, it makes no sense. Unless you're trying to force them to yeah, use a bashing you, you shield, you force on their out turn. their bashing shield. Like if you have multiple it's, armors or something like that, right? Instead of a grenade launcher or something like that, like you're basically right. just saving yourself from getting hit from a different upgrade. That's all you're doing. Because your arm, but you you can't you you have to know you can't rely on it. Oh, uh, well, so it, yeah. <laughs> so it changes. So it changes the way you're going to play. Um, assuming you have no, I mean, obviously, being espionage, it's a totally different story. Um, or if you have security checkpoint, it's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Um. Or you had whatever that discard and upgrade card that no one ever played. <laughs> the orange one. one from Wave 1. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, or if, you know, Disrupt the Vengeance, if it was getting back, you know, uh, an action or something like that, it'd be a totally different story. But here, it, your opponent can't really do anything. Like, they, if you get Espionage back, especially on your, def- on your defense, like, you're, you're probably going to hit something. Um, you're, if you know what's in your opponent's hand through them going through green and doing things like that, you're probably going to hit something like this. Just, this allows you to know what, like, if you know what you're going to lose to not or in the long run or immediately, it just gives you an automatic out to that. Assuming your opponent has to hold it. Like I actually, this is almost too powerful for like, I, I assume this was created because of enigmas, for example, like your opponent just can't sit on cards. Right. When espionage exists. And in a lot of decks that like I think that I've seen tested recently or been played with recently, they seem to be dependent on your opponent just sitting there allowing them to do whatever they want. This doesn't 
like people are like, oh, well, this goes in a shockwave deck or something like that. Like, I think it's just more ubiquitous. I think it's just, it, it's powerful enough to see continued use and like powerful use. Yeah. And it, so it, you brought up a good point about the enigmas and that that may have been what everybody had in mind. And I think it will definitely, because I've seen people debating back and forth how many enigmas do you play? Do you really need a full set? Especially given the discussion we just had about, well, when you want it, you can just go get it. But again, if you flip it, depending on whether you flip it on attack or defense, your opponent can now just espionage it out of your hand and really set you back, especially if you were a combiner deck and it was a matchup where you really needed to combine. Uh, it may influence people either playing increased numbers of enigmas or getting that second enigma when it's revealed via combat just as a plan b assuming the first one gets stripped away and i agree with you that it's going to be it's both skill testing on the person playing it and identifying what they need and then also on the recipients end trying to if you have the option for any kind of redundancy like the enigma plays to make sure you're not just losing to oh well espionage here just ruins me not that you have there aren't very many ways to play around it but i guess like i said the enigma one is the first one that came to mind no it's similar to where like this will force a, like that action will force an action from your opponent mm -hmm. like you getting the enigma will force them getting the espionage etc so right or if you see the espionage it'll force you to do something else etc so exactly so yeah, there's a little bit of an arms race there as far as what the the end goal everybody's working towards is. Yeah, I just I, I don't know how control decks can exist without this card going forward. If they're gonna if they're gonna rely on keep their guys alive. Yeah, I was really excited going in because of of steamroll to say, oh well, here's where I'll have. I mean, we had talked about it last time that. I was using Megatron Living Weapon as the example. It didn't have to be him, but, you know, single target bot that I'm just going to pile stuff on. Well, Bashing Shield really causes serious issues, and even Espionage against those sort of things can cause serious issues. And I've seen Bashing Shield specifically be a problem for some of the combiner teams because when they combine, it's, oh, great, I get all of my, my upgrades. Well, you're still have 20-something damage on you, and I pop your sparring gear, or I pop your body armor, or your reinforced plating, or whatever, and now you're up a creek. Like you said, it's going to be tough for those decks that really wanted to lean on an armor to continue to exist in the capacity they do today. And I think even with the addition of espionage, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I think that inborn tough on your characters is now much more powerful than having to rely Absolutely. on armor. Absolutely. And it has influenced my opinion of some of the combiner teams themselves for exactly that reason because, well, <laughs> you can't rely on the armor actually sticking against anything because it, even control decks are going to be packing at least a couple of bashing shields or a singleton bashing shield. So... Beyond that, might help, but that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. So, 
going, I'm just double checking our notes. So I guess moving from the green pips, what other things stood out to you from, I guess, the initial playthrough? Um, the combiners were more powerful than initial credit for, I think. Specifically, any certain combiner teams, or was it just the general idea? Both the general idea and some specific teams, yeah. So both, I would say. Okay. There were... I was really... I kind of went the opposite way. I was actually... I don't think I was expecting that the combiner teams were going to come right out the gate and be a top-tier thing. But... Most of them performed, at least in my initial iterations, which again, I guess that's to be expected, way worse than I was initially anticipating they would. Mm. So, for example, a lot of the the Stunticon lists that I had initially tried, really, they did things, but then really have been falling flat on their face in a lot of scenarios, so I'm anxious to see if someone else can manage to get it to work. Superion has been performing pretty decently for me. Sentinels, I kind of was expecting, was going to do at least okay. I didn't even try Dinobots. I'm assuming that they're not even worth the time as a combiner team. I haven't seen Agreed. anything that, that's shown me otherwise. Agreed. Uh, Dreadwing has been pretty decent, but it still feels like it has glaring weaknesses to certain things. So I'm building it more blue-centric assuming that I can get to double-digit attacks, but you're still going all-in on a single character. It does have some bashing shield defense because you can have multiple armors on him, but at the same time, it just... There's something missing, and I'm not sure what it is just yet with the the list that I'm trying. Uh, I'm missing one, but I don't... Am I missing one? Oh, Predaking, the other one, who actually has been doing better than I thought he would, to be perfectly honest. That was the one that I was positively surprised by. Um, what one is really standing out to you, Scott? Any Anything that you're actually thinking you're going to play Combiners for? Uh, Sentinels and Aerial Bots have impressed me. And I okay. haven't even tried uh, Dreadwing yet, but I assume he'll be fine also. Right. So, um, go ahead. Well... I think the problem with Menasaur is that you you want to be Menasaur longer than you possibly will be allowed to be. Yeah, that's absolutely um, true, especially because he has the lowest health out of all the, the combiner teams. That's not really relevant because like they either just die or, or it, because the deck wants to be blue. So like technically they have more survivability as individual pieces. So I think that's part of the issue. And none of them really gain any health like when you combine that's so like i don't see that as that big of a deal it's just whether or not the guys themselves survive or well, you're the, throwing them away like construct the guns i mean it does oh, construct the guns are playable too obviously but we don't have oh them. yeah we, well we haven't gotten that far yet yeah the issue yeah. i think it i disagree with you there that it does matter so part of the thing with for example predaking is actually that uh it's headstrong is the brave one only has five health so he's going to die, but that is significant for the combined form where he does not have extra damage that he's bringing to the table. Similarly, what I've generally found, at least with the more defensive builds, is that they are, you seem to combine, assuming you, you know, you're rushing to combine, you combine around 
you know, like low 20s in damage, real high teens, low 20s. Having that extra, even couple extra hit points is the difference between your opponent being have to have one shell stand or not, or whether a one shell stand will even get there. Uh, it's not, I agree with you, yes, in the grand scheme of things, one or two extra health may not ultimately be a humongous factor, but it is significant. I just think he's not defensive enough, even when you combine. He doesn't have, like, what does he have? Tough one, maybe? Yeah, he has tough one. He does have two defenses. So, Superion's tough two, one defense versus Menasaur's tough one, two defense. But Superion also has four extra health, which sounds dumb, but it has mattered. Where I've gotten that extra turn because they exact seed Menasaur. But 35 is not getting there against Superion. But Menasaur has no way to cheat um, combining faster either, right? Correct. Yeah, he has no built-in ways to to race it. Now, his parts seem more useful outside of the team. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, and that may be, you know, maybe he's just not a great combiner. He just happens to be something, you, you know, his parts can be used and as filling out other strategies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just... Oh, God. No. no. I was just looking at chat because uh, people were saying, yeah, they were agreeing with us about Volcanicus and Predaking is, is good aggro. I've actually... Yes, I agree it can do aggro. There are a surprising number of blue weapons and ways to do it because they're all melee. So Energon Slingshot, it, as dumb as it sounds, Blue Zap seems to be doing decent. Uh, I don't have enough data right now to really go beyond that to say anything intelligently about it, but I'm, it's promising. I'll say that. Um, I think just playing five wide teams has changed. That was going to be my next my, point. Yeah. My opinion of certain things. Like, you can... If any of the parts are better staying on the table as opposed to combining like you can hide them much easier um absolutely like protected from attacks through the first especially through the first round um the what else about like i mean you just it gives you many more i mean you draw more cards as you have turns you 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 see more of your deck you you have access to more green cards. Like I've seen that be a factor because you right. have just more guys that are attacking. Um, you, if you play them blue, it's actually, I was, I was actually a little surprised to see how sturdy some of the combiner parts or combiner teams can be with more defensive builds. So now instead of, you know, it, it takes six turns to actually get through, you know, you two shot three opposing characters if it takes two shots for five of them, odds are that's not going to happen, but that's ten attacks, which is a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. what, and yes, that's that's very silly math, but it, it comes up more than I thought it would. So that was another pleasant surprise that I had that some of these defensive teams is like, oh, well, you are, you're only going to hit me for eight. Okay, well, I'll soak X with blue cards and then I have, you know... Headstrong's three defense or something. Oh, look, he survives an attack. 
he'll then live for the next cycle to be brave in front of someone else, assuming no burn or something like that. Which may be a, a stretch, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of the games I've seen are obviously not against optimal lists. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I just think the resiliency is is more than I gave them credit for, and and that, like I just assumed one part would die every single attack from your opponent, right? And that just doesn't seem to be the case, whether or not you're blue or not. Yeah, you'll um, there will be times so, where your opponent whiffs, and when they do, it's significant. Yeah, it's a lot easier to combine than I gave it for, also because like, and. I'm, I, I need to somehow write this article when I can find some time, but like <laughs> the, what I call flip density, like the number of times you actually want to actively flip back and forth is very important in the way you decks are built nowadays. And like right. a lot of these combiner parts with the exception of like one guy on the team, like they don't, or maybe two guys on the team. I don't know. They, they, they I mean, first of all, they can't afford the time to flip back and forth. Yeah. Um, and they actively don't want to. Yeah, some of them, they the stats or abilities that they lose are things that you, you'd rather not. So at least some of them have, you know, they'll have tough, but then it their bot mode will have a, a when attacks ability. So it, it does create this decision point that, I mean, personally, I've always been going, most of their when attacks abilities I don't care about, but the... Uh, the tough has been more significant, but it does influence when you're choosing to flip. And it it's not just, oh, well, starting my turn, the next guy in line, flip them over kind of thing. Yeah, I think sequencing is very important with them. With a lot of people I've watched play or have played myself, is not that's not figured out correctly yet. I can tell you that for a fact. Oh, yeah, I know um, I'm messing it up myself. It's, I'm still learning every time I sit down and play a game. It's like, okay, did that really is that the correct choice that I made there? And a lot of the times that I've found that if I had made a different decision, it would have impacted it. Yeah. I think the key is, are you rushing to combine? How are you building your deck? If you are, aren't what it means once you like, like you said, can you afford, do you actually not want to yet? Because it's not as advantageous. Um, like, will you get more abilities out of your cards by not combining? Like, do you want to build yourself to, like, take advantage of some of these flip abilities? Like, do you want to play rap conversion in your deck? Like, I right. generally feel like I don't want to play more than one because, like, especially for the five wide teams, I just don't think it's necessary to shoot yourself up that extra turn, but I may be wrong. Well, um, the... Not to break your train of thought, one, one point that you had said about the whether you want to combine quickly or not. One of the scenarios that's come up more, I don't want to say frequently, but I've been running a lot of things against bugs just for the sake of, okay, well, can it compete with any sort of aggro? And that's usually the scenario where I don't want to combine. Because you you can essentially, and it's not quite this level, but you can almost out bugs bugs. Right. Because you, you have more, it's, <laughs> how often does Bugs face down more characters than they have? Most of them have essentially no defense, or pretty close to it. I mean, with the addition of Chop Shop, it's a little bit higher, but they're not running any blues. You're going to get through for most of your damage. If you time your attacks 
whatever your Pierce guy is, because I think every team has access to one, is going to run into Chop Shop. Otherwise, you know, you're just hammering whoever. And if you're running any amount of oranges at all, you can chip them down. The problem is, is if you then combine, you're now giving them one giant target and probably Barrage and Kickback are still alive and they just pummel whatever your combiner is. Well, yeah, I, I don't think that's a good idea. That's not a good scenario if both of those are alive. I'll give you that. Well, I don't think you're... <laughs> while you can get through, like, you could score a couple early KOs hypothetically, obviously, depending on how things shape up or how the deck is built, I doubt your Bugs opponent is going to allow you access to kickback or barrage in order to for you to actually score a KO on them. Like, it... That's why I'm saying you're never... I don't think rushing to combine in that scenario because those two are going to be alive. You're, no good Bugs player is going to let you get to those two. I mean, they don't have a choice, though. This is, like To me, this is where like the weakness of the Chop Shops and the Scrapnels of the world are exposed because, mm-hmm. um, because they have to be like sacrificed, basically. Um... So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it, it's still early on in Wave 2's lifespan. Uh, and maybe this will change. Those are my how I've initially been seeing things play out. Uh, so aside from combiners or green pips, any other highlights that you want to make sure we touched on, Scott, for Wave 1? Or excuse me, Wave 2. What am I saying, Wave 1? <laughs> what else did I put on my list? Uh, one of the other things was Starscream. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, do you want to dive into the Decepticon King himself? He was pretty impressive in, in testing. Um, if you have no way to interact with your opponent's hand, they can set up a scenario relatively quickly with a um, security console and mining pick that you just can't get out of. Like It's almost like a lock. Right. And by um, <laughs> Just to clarify, the lock is you'll never kill Starscream and he's going to hit you for about a gazillion every turn. Well, every turn yeah. that he's active. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, depending on how the deck is built, though, I mean, you have to get... Because uh, the the main issue is that the crown is white. So, like, your opponent is guaranteed flipping four cards every single combat step. Right. Um, which is part of the issue, which, you know... In the, in the off scenario that it would be, like, a deck that was all slanted one way or the other, like, you would obviously be limiting the damage potential on the upside and the defense potential on the downside, but assuming that it's a relatively normal deck, like, I mean, decks have to be slanted one way or the other, but typically, like, there's still off-color cards that are in the decks. Right. Like, the the white just gives you access to be able to flip usually one more of whatever the off-color is if you're playing enough of them to matter. So, like, you should always assume, like, if it's an orange deck, they're still going to defend for five. If it's a blue deck, they're still going to attack for who knows with mining pick, but like probably like I don't know twelve, like like some some conservative number, like what ten, I guess, right? Like well, one crown plus the six plus the one more, so that's ten, right? Yeah. Well, if you if you mining pick the crown back, it's eleven. Right, eleven. So there yeah. you go. So like you should assume they're attacking for a minimum, defending with a minimum of five, no matter what the deck makeup. And obviously, if it's slanted one way or the other, those numbers on that specific side obviously get much higher. 
Right. Um, so, like, you should generally, once your opponent's set up, which, again, is not hard to do, especially considering his ability, you can build a deck that has flip density to get him to be able to flip back to get a plan card, both of which he's having to be plan cards, in your hand by the time he's ready to attack as the third attacker. Um, it shouldn't be hard to set this up, even though neither card is blue. I mean, neither card is green, I get that, but again, it shouldn't be that hard to set up. And once you are set up, you're basically looking at like an 11, whatever his hit points are, five character. Like you should just look at it that way. And like, that, I mean, it's the, generally the same way as looking at Optimus and saying that he has 11 attack also. Um, or 10 attack, let's just say, because he's going to flip a, a, a two or a three. Right. So like, this is better than that. <laughs> like, yeah. With, slightly harder setup because you actually have to have upgrades in play but like sure not having a mining pick will hurt your attack okay not having a security console on the other hand is devastating i'll give you that yeah that's uh, kind of the achilles heel uh, aside from like you said the discard right but i mean are you gonna play so i mean if he's as good in the meta as i assume the meta has to adjust to where you're playing more vaporize and playing more ramming speeds I, we're not playing whatever that white Kill crushing target. size not, yeah, <laughs> yeah that might be kidding. a stretch we're not counting that one as playable <laughs> um and and there is no green kill utility card yep i was about spell. to bring that up but um so like you'll just see more you'll have the metal will have to adjust to see more ramming speeds and, and vaporizes again mm. um but even if you are like even if you see them now like you still have to draw them where they have they can get crown whenever they flip it easy to do and they can they're going to be playing three each of their important cards as well as well as redundancy with like incoming transmission and things like that especially on attack yeah the deck is um, very it's much more consistent than you might think on the surface because of all the effects that are either the re the recursion that you were talking about or the the sifting and filtering the actual card draw itself and once it's in place you must have very specific answers to disrupt it. Full stop. And any answers you may have, they can play answers to that just as easily, if not easier. Right. And that's assuming they don't just hit redundant copies of whatever. So, you know, you vaporize their security console. Great. Well, they had enough turns to, you know, just flip and recur one of the other ones that happened to hit the scrap pile. It's just going to be tough to put yourself in a situation where you're going to kill their, like, security console at the same time attacking your best guy. Like, you have to set up this, like, and they have no way of disrupting that. Mm -hmm. Like, they only have to play two upgrades over a, what, three-turn span that they get to draw cards and play cards. Right. Assuming they, well, two, they get two turns of playing cards, obviously. And you have the same number of turns to react and their setup will be much better than yours. Right. So, I don't know. It's pretty insane. Yeah, the the deck is pretty impressive. And yeah, I was... Uh, the first time somebody played Steamroll and hit me for like 17 or something, it's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I, I guess that's a thing because of multiple crowns. I mean, I think he actually is weaker to combiners to be honest with you because that is you true can't, you can't defend like you well no you can't you can just keep getting crowned back all the time so i don't know 
it, well, it comes down to like like how many cards you have in your hand. Like that's the issue. Yeah, it you can and I don't know if this will be the right line to play against it again. It's going to take time, but you can pressure them enough to say, okay, well, you need to keep finding cards to keep feeding these crowns or you're you're going to run out eventually, but the deck does have ways to draw cards. Uh, if you can create an opening by eliminating that security console, yeah, you can pile in with those really wide combiner teams or other aggressive decks that are wider than the Starscream builds or... You know, if like you said, if you're able to engineer a scenario where it's your best attacker teeing off on him on the turn that you eliminate the security console, but that's easier said than done, depending on what you're playing. I will say that the 150% increase in his value I've seen since the first time I saw him being sold is is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> 150% really? <laughs> I didn't. I, mean, I, I don't. I really pay attention to any of the card values at all like i opened my boxes and said okay these are the cards i have initial selling values were around 55 and he's around 80 as of the recording interesting that'll be something so. to keep an eye on uh because the unfortunately the other super rares that i mean i didn't expect blitzwing to knock my socks off but yeah he was not nothing worked <laughs> with anything i tried to blitzwing i was very excited to try him out but you didn't play Joe's deck? What was his deck? Thrust RC Blitzwing? Aggressive? Oh, I I saw... I didn't get a chance to watch that video yet. I heard about it, but I didn't watch it yet. Yeah. It was cool. It was interesting. Okay. I mean, the the Thrust RC thing is a, is an interesting idea. I have seen that mentioned before. Um, so I do want to check that video out. I'm, I'm behind in uh, catching up on... Well... All of my Transformers videos. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it there. I'm sure. What was that? Including ours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I right before the recording, I was watching the uh, <laughs> this stuff from so, Saturday. Yeah, I was watching it because I did want to get a little, not just been prepped for the show, but also because I am interested in trying to learn more about playing Sentinels. So I figured it was a good opportunity to learn something. <laughs> they really impressed me. I mean, Stefan made a good point in his videos, which I would echo. Um, and I think it's a good video because we all kind of chime in playing and you'll hear me humming and talking and <laughs> being rather being dumb overall uh, during them playing. But uh, you really do have a six card hand to start the game. Yeah. Um, or a seven card hand if you're going first. Uh, like you, you and one of them draws you a card. So like you, it's technically even more. Uh, um, the way he had it built with an orange slant. There are definitely cards I would adjust that I've talked to him about, um, but that was not a way I expected to take the team, and I thought it was pretty impressive. Yeah, um, as I was watching it play, I mean, granted, again, like we we said earlier, playing against Bugs, they're not exactly the most defensive team in the world, but he was pushing some pretty respectable damage with characters that maybe you wouldn't have expected to. Yeah, I hadn't... I, I don't know. I, I never really thought that I knew I was always focused on these characters being outside the teams, and like I, I just never really respected. Uh, I obviously respected Prowl's stats, but I never really respected Ironhide's stats, and I that was probably a mistake. Um, being a four bold one for seven, um, and again, I you I it's that we're done. It's it's the bold with green that I just noticed was like just so much more powerful, right? Um, 
and all these teams have white cards they want to play. So, like, you're flipping, like, five cards every single combat, and, like, any green X that's on the side you want it to be on just is infinitely more powerful when you have the bold or tough attached to your guys. Yeah, in general, the... And not specifically a Sentinels thing, but in general, the damage threshold seemed higher overall. Uh, mm-hmm. the, there was a, just a lot more damage being pushed from a variety of different builds. Whether that's just, you know, everybody's going orange-focused because that's the early meta, people are playing more aggressive or not, I guess remains to be seen, but it just felt like the expected damage output from everybody across the board went up a notch with Wave 2. And there's reasons you want to be, to do it, especially on the bold side. Like, the green thing just is a huge reason to want to be on the bold side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, it, it like, it's not just about doing more damage. It's 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 also advancing your... It's not board state. It's like hand state, I guess. You, it's increasing your hand quality, I guess you could say, at the same time. Yeah. It's so. fun to, to do damage and <laughs> draw cards, air quotes, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the only annoying thing about this, about Combiner decks is I don't like the small character cards. They they were annoying at first, but I've kind of gotten used to them relatively quickly. It doesn't bother me too much. Uh, logistically, it's going to be annoying. That part, I will readily admit that it's just... It, there's a lot on the board. Every, I guarantee virtually everyone you sit down to play against is going to have a different way of, well, I'm actually going to fold them. I'm going to have one of those slider things. I'm going to have two different teams. This guy's going to do that. Somebody's going to Velcro them together or something. like. Right. I've seen that. I've seen um, that too. I did. I like It crossed my mind. Like Some of them I got so annoyed. I said, you know what? I'm going to cut this in half, and then I'm just going to Velcro the two together, and I'm going to, you know, I don't know if I I'm actually going to do somebody, that. Somebody, I saw somebody do that. It looks really weird when you combined. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Um, it, yeah, it it didn't bother me so much sitting across from it after a while or uh, even playing it myself. But yeah, it's. I think the more annoying thing is every you're going to have people that are going to pick like they go to combine. They're going to pick everything up too quickly and then go. Wait a minute. How much damage and who was dead? Did I have? My guess. Yep. Yeah, yep. and then it's going to be oh god, we got to go figure this out again. And like, no, wait, that guy was alive and this guy was half dead. And it's yep. That's going to be really irritating, and it's almost almost enough to push me to want to actually write damage myself. down. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. But like, I don't know if I'm there yet because if I'm play, I'm really trying hard to play a combiner team. So if I'm tracking like ten different life totals, that's just going to be intensely frustrating i think it bothers me more about this character size when i'm playing them outside the combiner team when i have these two giant guys and like one just, random <laughs> combiner piece and it's like yeah they're the teeny little brother and it's just like i don't know i like the, i like the art being big and it's i think it, it honestly bothers me more because i like the big character than it is like mm-hmm. like if every it, it doesn't bother me like it's not like an ocd like not every character is the same size thing i just like the big characters like yeah, the packs are big because the characters are big, and now all of a sudden they're teeny tiny, and it makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, I can get behind that. that. I can get behind that idea. It. Uh, whoop! I apparently knocked my chair into my desk. Whoops! Uh, <laughs> I was like, "What the hell just happened?" Um, yeah, I could. I can definitely get behind that. That it is a little unfortunate. It's the 
There are minor annoyances, I guess, scattered all throughout the physical implementation. So, like, putting them in top loaders, now the artwork doesn't quite line up. I was trying it with just putting it in the, the soft sleeves and not putting them yep. in top loaders. But then, like, the cards feel floppy like that because of the, the break, even with mm -hmm. being in the sleeve, so it doesn't feel good. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to figure something out. I'll do some arts and crafts when I have a few spare minutes and uh, see if I can either come up with my own version of the slider or something else. We'll see. I don't like the sliders because I, I feel bad. Like somebody, um, I mean, I, I, the site that sells them on Etsy, I, I go for it. In my personal thing, I like it for triple changers. I don't like it for this just because I don't like tapping quote sideways. And oh, like yeah. mm. the combiner teams I'm going to play are not going to be Dinobots. Honestly, so like I don't mind owning multiple copies of them. I can tell you again, the distribution is rather annoying. Like in seven boxes, I had two Razor Claws. Like that's just kind of annoying. Yeah, and like ten, like six Toroxes. But um, and like for some reason, I have less Iron Hides, for example. But um, that aside, what I like about it is that it gives me an excuse to have like keep opening packs as the wave like as the tournaments go on because I want more combiner teams mm. because I always want to have one two sets of them with me when I'm playing them and they're easy to trade away and move so yeah that's a good point I I know people have been coming up with all kinds of solutions like those tap trays uh that I guess that would fit as a better thing because then you could just pull the thing out with the pre-combined team um, that thing's not going to fit well on my backpack so that's why yeah I'm I'm, I'm not, not sure how that thing, I don't know. I, I looked at it and said, I, I don't know about that one. It's definitely a cool idea. Like, they look nice because of the way that uh, whoever was making them had the artwork laid in them. But, yeah, I'm not too sure myself. Yeah, getting them into play is not that it's not the issue for me. It's just, it, like you said, it's it's the damage counters that are weird. It's the um, it's the having a second copy you have to pull out. But otherwise, I, think, I don't think it's that big. It, it, it's, it's like going for... It definitely, like, it's like you're going from teeny tiny size characters to, like, this giant guy, which is just fun, you put. Um, yeah. But it you does. can see it on the video that okay. we had today where, like, when Stefan became Optimus Maximus and it was like he had all these little, like, what's a normal top loader size? Like, the normal character size is three and a half by five, but I don't even know what a regular top loader battle card size is. But I, like, I, a little bit bigger than two and a half by three and a half, I think. Yeah. So you're going from a bunch of those to, like... This like whatever like <laughs> nine by nine by fifteen guy or something. Like yeah, <laughs> it's pretty comical. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's definitely pretty comical to to watch. Although it does, uh, there were definitely points where as I'm, you know, reassembling characters that were KO'd and guys in play, I'm like, okay, I do get that that slight tingling of this is kind of cool. Like I'm actually making a combiner moment. Uh, so I guess that that part worked, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah, and, and they are not, like we had discussions offline, they're not just better nemesis. Like they're, they're, their abilities and stats are significant. Yeah. Um, and they do come into play on tap, which makes, as you, like, there's a lot of cool interactions with Peace or Tyranny, for example. Um, there's... I don't know. They, they're just more powerful than I credit for, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
Well, part of that is, as you said, the specifically the Sentinel team. And basically, I'm sure there's going to be a combiner team and maybe it's Devastator where it's just, yeah, combining is all they do. But a number of them feel as though they are decent decks without the combiner thing, which you had mentioned on some of the shows where we were reviewing everything, that if they can accomplish that and just go, oh, by the way, now I'm a gigantic monster, Hulk smash, like that only adds to their playability as compared to the teams that have to go all in on the gimmick and then you may roll over depending on the matchup. Yeah, and the five wide nature or high health pool in the Sentinels case because they're not technically six wide because three of them in the yard. Mm. Um, it just gives them more survivability, I think, than I gave them initial credit for. Right. Um, because, and Drew said this in his initial podcast with TFW, is like, it causes these overkill situations where, like, you know, um, if they're not playing Grimlock, not playing Steamroll type of situation, um, they have to o- almost overkill a guy to get, you know, to kill them like if they if, if it takes two hits to kill a guy that second hit is clearly over it feels real dumbed for example to run kickback into virtually any combiner piece yeah. <laughs> in a lot of scenarios like you f- especially like you said if that combiner piece was already damaged you know you ran scrapnel into it a couple or chop shop into it a couple turns ago and now f- just because of the way things worked out you have to run kickback or barrage into it it feels really dumb because it's like oh well i do 14 Okay, well, I have, like, two health. Right, like, right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> like, that, that doesn't I think get it's, I think it's, I think it's balanced and, ch- and changes um, deck building. Because, I, I mean, direct damage is still obviously very powerful against them. Um, but it's yes. really no more powerful than it or it's, no, it's not that much more powerful than it was before. It does exactly what you want it to do. It's essentially getting another medium-sized attack. Except for now, against a 8-health guy, it's a lot larger of an attack. But... Um, I think direct damage has more value now for because of combiners. Um, and I think you'll just see more of that. I, I, I feel like if you weren't playing my version of Optimus builds before, you're going to be in a world of hurt if you're going to continue to play it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I just think you can't race it as well just doing giant single attacks anymore. No, it, um, it's not going to... I mean, those will still exist, but you're going to need some sort of plan to address the fact that, yeah, there are going to be a bunch of five-wide teams running around, and it's going to take you a long time to chew through them. And I know this seems to be, like, at odds with the Starscream conversation we had, but it's it's not as much as you'd think, so. Well, I mean, Starscream happens to also have access to Steamroll, so yeah. If, right. <laughs> if but anybody do. does. Anybody does. But yeah. Yes. Uh, it's the I, fact that it doesn't cost you cards out of your hand with Starscream. It, it's cards. It's what you flip. It's. I guess we didn't mention this, and I know we're we're kind of jumping around a bit, but like, if Optimus gets to eleven with a leap into battle, like technically you had to flip that leap into battle. Uh, now every single card, every single time you attack, period, you get a leap into battle at least one. So yep, off a card that doesn't actually say give my guy plus three attack, it's just there to be flipped. <laughs> on both yeah. attack and defense that you always have in your hand. Like, exactly. 
it's always a leap in the battle. Like that's if, if we bit a battle was blue green or orange green, you would play it, right? Like that's essentially what this is. So seems okay. Yeah, I know. We <laughs> it went, seems. I, right. I forgot. I forgot to make that point earlier. So. Well, that's all right. I mean, that I'm sure we're going to end up talking more about Starscream in the future because uh, yeah. I can't anticipate that that's going to go away anytime soon. So, anything else specifically on the list we missed? Nothing that you had sent me pre-show. Uh, was there anything that you had thought of since then that you wanted to make sure that we touched on? Because we are we're now at one forty-seven. Uh, <laughs> Man, can't get it to an hour and a half. We were so close, and then we got we started talking about the combiners and how the like the physical interactions are. We can't be at one forty seven. We start it's nine oh four, and we started at seven thirty. It's one forty seven for like the whole recording. So yeah. I guess it, it's a, I guess one twenty something. I forget what my timer was at. So there you go. We still got like five minutes okay. before we get into the danger zone. All right, here we go. What do we got? <laughs> Anything else? I, I just. I, I just think this set is a lot more skill intensive. I think that anybody that mm. says they have it figured out is just wrong. Mm. Um, I haven't seen too much of that, but maybe I, I avoid social media as much as I can. So maybe I'm just missing it. I was going to say uh, the internet exists, right? So there, well, I mean, I'm sure it. there's somebody, <laughs> but like I didn't, it felt as though there wasn't ever, other games that I played. It's always on day one. Oh yeah, this is it. And it's like, I don't feel as though there's as much for this. Uh, yeah, there is. Okay, um, I'll take your word on it. <laughs> I will. I will say the one thing I did, another thing I noticed is, um, there's no more any. There's no more conversation about to me about absolute power level. Um, everything is in context of the deck that it's good in. Yes, that that's a good point. If that makes sense, like I had a conversation today about with somebody that thought marksmanship was bad because having to have a ranged character was a negative. I'm like, well, you just won't play it in a deck without ranged character. So how is this a negative? Like, this isn't sealed deck. Like, you're going to play yeah. it in a deck that has ranged characters, and you're decks only are definitely play getting in a deck. more siloed. I guess where it's okay. The the card pool is naturally pushing you in certain directions, which then restricts the options available to you because of things like that. So it's but not. It, it, it makes the deck more homogenous, right? So, but the, it doesn't make the power level of the card in that deck any lower because it can't be played in some other deck. Like, does that make yes. body armor worse? Like, I don't get it. Like, no, it, and I'm not disagreeing with you. Where I'm going with it is so to compare it to, say, Hearthstone or something like that, where it specifically locks you into certain classes. So, okay, here's your card pool. You only get this many. It, it still does the same sort of thing, but without it being quite as regimented away, I guess, or obviously regimented. So like you said, range characters, you, you'll you just play it in a range deck and it's it's really strong. Right. But obviously then those are the only decks that it goes in. And there, there are other examples across Wave 2. Yeah, I, I, just, I just think people are too quick to like praise or write off a card because of its universe like per perceived universal use as opposed to that it's very powerful in that deck and that's really all it's, where it's going to show up and honestly that's really all that matters i can't believe somebody was saying the marksmanship was bad that's just sorry that that's stunning to me the card has been ridiculous uh 
I, I'm not, we don't have to have a huge conversation about marketship. I could just tell you that there are people's opinions on cars that are different than mine. And as one person pointed out to me, everyone's opinion was the same. It'd be a very boring world. Um, but you know, Hey, what can I tell you? Uh, yeah. That, I, well, I'm more just surprised cause it's like you said, it's okay. Just play. It's not as though we only have one ranged character and that character's bad or something. We, we have a lot. And that, that's also the case for a number of these other cards that we're referencing that are going to exist within a particular ecosystem of a given deck. So yeah, Starscream, the Decepticon crown is not probably not fantastic outside of Starscream. It may show up here or there, but like it's fantastic for Starscream. Obviously. I, I don't know. And it has used in other decks. Yeah. I, I I think the I think the problem is is people don't understand that like there are still dominoes to fall, mm -hmm. and that um like there are definitely cards I like that we did not go over, um but like I just think that people don't understand that, <laughs> and if they do or don't, I mean like it may not come to fruition. Who knows? Right. Um, but I mean obviously people tend to tend to focus on the characters first. The battle cards come second, uh, but. I just think there's definitely still things, obviously, to be discovered, obviously. Um, but but I really just think that this this power level conversation is just starting to happen, right? About where things show up, um, and how powerful certain things are in that archetype, and that the you know the battle card makes the archetype way more powerful. Type of thing. Makes sense. Yeah. The I expect to see a lot of these where it's just the the linchpin of given builds or it gives you that advantage where you were mentioning some of the now older prime builds, I guess, it, or a number of your decks that were running Plasma Burst. Well, Marksmanship becomes the clear upgrade in any deck that happens to have the ability to run it, at least run it consistently. But it hurts your ability to kill a kickback on turn one. Yes. Or kill an RC on turn one or something like that. Like, like whatever, like it does. Mm -hmm. There are downsides. Like, don't get me wrong. Yes. But it doesn't, I'm not wholesaling. Like I'm not wholesaling. We replacing one card for another. I'm just supplementing playing two of each now instead of three and zero. Right. And I think that's where people, people always want to just replace one card with another. They want to compare one card to another and they want to replace one card with another. And in the beginning during playtesting, I'm all about like, I'm going to play this card over this card so I can see the difference in power level between these and make a note as to how they're doing. Right. And I get that. But people want to, people want to, people just want to upgrade. Like, again, I, I feel like if I gave examples, they'd be magic examples, but like, you know, <laughs> they, they want, they want this card. They want this card that costs this amount and did this, well, now there's this card that does it and has a pip, it must be better. It's like, nah, not really. Like, you know, that's kind of the thing. Like, I want to draw two cards off pep talk instead of drawing three and discarding two off of inspiring leadership. Clearly, it's better. It's like, nah, it's really not. Yeah, so. well, that might be a wider... <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find a way to compare that back to Plasma Burst and Marksmanship, but uh, it, yeah, though I feel like that's a a slightly different scenario only because I don't know. It feels a lot different. 
I just think I just think people want to replace existing cards with new ones to to show that the new cards have so much more value, and a lot of them can, but it's it's in the specific build that they're having the value. It's not universal, and that's okay. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's I don't know harder for people to grasp or something like that. And I also think that the, this is going to open up. I also think the set we talked about it at length with green, but like decks are going to be deck lists are going to be a lot longer than they were before. You know, yeah. You got to put a, th- a three next to every battle card, and you're done. You're, you're done. Your deck list. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely something I've noticed as I'm writing stuff up. That it's okay. Well, I'm running two of these. Oh, but one more of these, and it's the same, or even just singletons of three different things because of the greens. Because of well, I just want a fourth copy of this effect. I want a fifth copy of this effect, but maybe not six or you know whatever it happens to be. And that's I guess that's a good problem to have with the options, but it'll it will be annoying having to write the deck list out that way. Yeah, I think there's a lot of cards you can play as like your fourth copy of something, or and you can run two and two and things like that. Like uh, an easy example for me is like I can run Power Punch as my fourth grenade launcher in aggressive decks. I can run, you know, uh, whatever the new bigger they are thing. Oh, uh, the smaller, the smaller they are. Yeah, smaller yeah. they are. <laughs> as, my, as my fourth copy. How is that not the name? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, like, you know, th- there's just situations like that where I think that, like, that's where... And I think vice versa, it's going to happen too. I think there's cards from Wave One that are going to form the fourth copy of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the tuning is going to come into play. I think right now people are just trying out new cards overall and saying like, "This card's good, this card's bad for X, Y, Z reason." And it's like it's all going to have to be in context. Yeah, it's going to take time to formulate all intelligent opinions about all these different things. Obviously, people are going to have a lot of initial thoughts. We have as well. But we haven't even had this set a whole week yet at the time of this recording, so... Right. At least not physically. We've known about it for a little bit longer, but... Yeah, I'm not I'm not the type of proxies, so, like... And proxies, like, uh, cards that aren't out yet, so... Right. I'll, I'll try to... First tournament I'm going to be in on the 16th. I know you are hoping to go this weekend, I assume? Yeah, I'm going to try and make some efforts to get out to play in an event this weekend. It'll be the first time that I'm going to get to sling some of the new cards, if that is the case. By the time this recording goes up, we'll already have found out. Um, And we'll be prepping for, well, the 16th will be the following weekend. So uh, I guess since this will be in between, if I had to pin you down to play a deck right now at that event, do you know what you're playing, Scott? No, I really, honestly, I don't know. You're not sandbagging us so that you got some super secret tech for it? No, I really, I really don't know because I really don't have enough games under my belt with some of these decks that are just way more complicated to play. Mm-hmm. There's a um, oh god, I don't own a Starscream, so it's gonna be hard for me to play that deck. <laughs> yes, um, that could be a challenge. <laughs> I, can, I can, as of this recording, I can tell you that much. Um, but like, I I would obviously need a lot more practice with combiner teams and things like that, and mm-hmm. um. Just any deck, I just need more pride. Like, be, I, I can tell you this. I went into last Saturday with our playtesting session, having written up four decks before we went there just to be able to start testing. Um, 
each person kind of made up their own things and we kind of just mashed them together. And I can already tell you that one of the decks was awful. <laughs> um, because it was trying to go in too many directions at once. One of the deck needs to be tweaked by like 10 cards, but I like the, the lineup. One of the decks I didn't even get to play. And I, and one of the decks was an updated Optimus three wide deck and it got smashed um, by pretty much anything it went against because of how good bashing shield was. So that obviously needs to be changed by like 10 guards as well. Right. Right. Um, and I wasn't playing the right lineup and you know, it forced me to re think about how armor even works in the environment because of how many times I just got bashing shield out of a game. So, right. Yeah. Bashing so, shield is going to ruin a lot of dreams. Uh, for me this weekend, and I'm hoping to make it to the event on the 16th as well. There's a non-zero chance that I just play Metroplex because I don't feel comfortable enough with, or maybe not necessarily Metroplex, but something. I mean, Metroplex is in the mix, but an existing thing that's updated only because I don't feel comfortable enough, kind of like you were saying, with a lot of the new cards and how I'm going to play it out. Because I'm fully anticipating I'm going to sit down every round against something, either a combiner team or some weird combination of characters that adds up to 25 or 23 and two stars or whatever. And I'm not going to have a clue what I'm looking at or something along those lines where it's okay. Well, maybe at least if I know half the equation and I know my deck really well, I can make it up as I go along as opposed to trying to figure out how something new interacts with, well, something new. No, that's fair. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I really want to play, Predaking or uh, or Dreadwing right now, but I or even Superion, but I don't know if I'm going to have one of them ready by then. We'll have to see. I guess I'm I didn't get to test a whole lot this week, so hopefully um, <laughs> it's going to be like back in school. I'm gonna I'm gonna cram the night before and hope that I can do well on the exam in the following morning. Oh yeah, maybe our recording might have to happen day next week if we can get play testing sessions in. So. Very true. So. Uh, well, it sounds like our uh, furry co-hosts may be anxious for some more attention. Uh, there, I'm walking them right now. If you, uh, if you didn't notice, then I did this well. Yeah, it actually, this time, we didn't have the Wi-Fi barrier just slam the gate down in the middle of a sentence, or like mid-word. No, I, turned, I turned the Wi-Fi off while I was in the house, See, so my, my phone is on pure LTE. See, 8 million IQ right there. <laughs> He's planning ahead. Um. So, I mean, we are, that's, we're starting to reach, I guess, the end of this particular rope. Um, any, other, better, yeah. any other initial thoughts that you want to make sure we get out in recorded form so people can call us out on it in like three weeks? No. Because <laughs> you know that's what's going to happen. So, well, you told us this was going to be good then. And it, like you said, it's all, we're still feeling it out. I can tell you, if people thought, listen that carefully to be able to call me out in three weeks, then they probably still have a four-week head start on most people, so well, I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's all about bringing everybody up and making sure that we're educating everyone. So, yep. uh, yeah, uh, any other stuff coming up Vector Sigma-wise that you wanted to, or any shout-outs or anything that you want to make sure we call out before we close up shop? Uh, thanks to the rest of the team for getting... Um, continued content out i've been busy so i um at work so i haven't been able to get as many articles out so i appreciate dan and mark and their video efforts uh in getting those things together it just gives us a lot more angles 
um, the rest of this week as of you hear it. Um, if you're hearing it live, you'll probably you'll see more playtesting videos uh, from the first week. Um, and then I'm I'm not sure that we'll be recording anything at the the tournament on the ninth at the Adventurers Guild in Harrisburg, but we will definitely have uh, deck lists for the top probably at least top four if not top eight depending on how many people show up hopefully there'll be enough to for like a top eight to be relevant right um the 16th at uh top deck games in hadfield new jersey we will definitely have video probably of inter and games because the, the format will still be new enough to, to actually show full games um and then also the 30th at showcase comics and swathmore um, we will have, again, video of probably games and interviews and things like that. It, it'll probably be more of an interview deck tech format for most of these events um, because the gameplay may not come through as well because of ambient noise in game stores, we've noticed. Yeah. So we're hoping to fix our audio issues so that that gets drowned out a little bit. But um, we'll see how that goes. But we'll definitely focus on the interview and deck tech format. So... The, the one thing I will say is that we plan to update the deck list section with more decks that actually have results at some of these events. So um, if it's a light on like testing type lists, uh, it's because we want them to have results before we, we post them, I guess. Completely reasonable. So uh, I guess that'll kind of do it for this week's episode of Tech Talk. We'll be up on Monday like we usually are. Um Definitely check out VectorSigma.info for all the stuff Scott was talking about and uh, additional news. Scott, one thing we didn't call out earlier, did you get the uh, event calendar up onto the site now? No, I have it ready to go, but um, I didn't actually post it because I wanted to make it more of a bigger deal. But yes, we will be adding that. Nobody heard that. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Not a big deal. (laughs) I'll make sure. I I can try to make sure it's up by the the, the time you hear this. uh, There'll be an event calendar on the site that will show not only... It's mostly events that you can find Vector Sigma, and because we all happen to live in the same geographical area, mostly <laughs> right, right. the larger, these larger um, local events that we're mentioning now. Uh, but also, we plan to put on there like the major events that are going on, like different PAXs, Gen Con, Origins, if they all have events or anything like that. Um, I guess I don't want to say semi-year events and I'll put them on the calendar because the idea is that like, it's an event you're going to find us at and you're not going to find us in the middle of Georgia or something playing. So, um, <laughs> Unless there's something made, well, Pack South, I don't know where it is this year. I don't know again, if it's in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, again, if it's like me, it's a different story, but like, right. I'm not going to put up there. Like, And we and we also are trying to be uh, tournament-focused on the calendar, so I'm, I'm not putting up like weekly meetups at this store because i think that's just not fair to there's a lot of stores doing that and the calendar will be cluttered with that so there's like, no way to keep up with that in a reasonable right. capacity right so it, it, we're trying to keep a tournament focused um like i said it's mostly going to be in our area because we're going to find us but those larger events will be on there as well and assuming cross our fingers we get more of a scene uh from an organized play perspective any all that kind of stuff will be on there as well awesome so, uh, sorry for the spoiler there, folks, but uh, <laughs> hopefully look for that in the near future. If it doesn't quite go up by the time this recording goes live, just keep it in the back of your minds and, and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be up there. It's, fine. Okay. it's ready to go. It works the way that we we discussed and you found on online to help me out. So. Okay, cool. Uh, so I guess with that, we're going to close up this week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And tune in next time for more Random's Thoughts.